We're going to go ahead and get started. Welcome everyone to the Wednesday, December 21, 2022 formal meeting of the Iowa City Planning and Zoning Commission. First off, for roll call, please note for the minutes the commissioners present are um, Wade, Hench, Signs, Elliot, Craig. Commissioner Padron is participating via Zoom. And absent tonight is Commissioner Billy Townsend. <laughs> Not that we're rubbing that in or anything. Next item on the agenda is public discussion of any item not on the agenda. Now is the opportunity for any member of the public that'd like to address the commission. This is your opportunity. Is there anybody out there who'd like to speak to us? If so, please come up to the podium. Second call. Seeing no rush to the podium, we'll go on to the next item. First under development items, this item number four, case number REZ22-0012. Location is east of Camp Cardinal Road and north of Gathering Place Lane. An application for a rezoning of approximately 31.2 acres of land from interim development single-family residential and low-density single-family residential with a planned development overlay to medium-density single-family residential with a planned development overlay. And Kirk, are you the presenter? Yes, thank you. And Maria, can you see this? I'm sharing the screen. I can't tell if you can see the yes, slides or you yes. can see my behind-the-scene version. Doesn't matter either way, I, but. <laughs> yeah, I can see that fine. Okay, perfect. Just wanted to check on that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so uh, this is a rezoning for 31 acres uh, north of Gathering Place Lane, east of Camp Cardinal Road. So it's in West Iowa City. Can you dim the lights, Kirk? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. Here you can see the area, like I said, relatively large. It's one of the probably largest remaining undeveloped areas within the city east of 218. Um, it's been undeveloped for quite some time and it is surrounded mostly by existing developments. So you have some single family homes to the north and east. You have some multifamily homes and a church to the south and then you have undeveloped land to the west that was recently rezoned uh, for duplexes and multifamily. And in terms of zoning, the zoning generally reflects those uses. So the property to the north and south are, are low-density single-family residential, or RS5. The properties to the east uh, are rural residential, or RR1. And then to the west and a portion of the south is also some low-density multifamily residential, or RM12. Uh, you'll also notice that there's uh, all the lines through them are OPDs. So there's lots of plan development overlays in this area just because of all the sensitive features including woodlands there's a stream corridor to the north and we'll talk about some of those as this presentation goes on so in terms of background uh, the western home independent living services is looking to rezone the area to allow a senior housing project with a mix of housing types and uses so that would include the development of some new streets including uh, a connection into the proposed cardinal heights development to the west that was recently rezoned and then it would also allow future connections onto the saint andrews property to the east as proposed and like I said, it does contain several sensitive features, including wetlands, streams, uh, slopes, and woodlands. Uh, and this site was actually previously uh, proposed for rezoning. Uh, and it was another senior housing project, 170 units. It was recommended by the Planning and Zoning uh, Commission, but then was subsequently withdrawn. So that was in 2016. It wasn't mentioned in the staff report because it doesn't figure into this analysis, but I figure it's good background for you to have. 
now I'm going to show you a few pictures of this site just to kind of give you uh, the lay of the land a bit. So the top picture is looking south from approximately Deer Creek Lane and Gathering Place Lane where those would be extended. So you can see the multifamily to the south and you can see uh, St. Andrew's Church kind of on the left side of that picture as well. Uh, the lower left corner is looking south along the unimproved Camp Cardinal Road. So that is what Camp Cardinal Road currently looks like. And then the property uh, or the picture on the bottom right is looking west from where Gathering Place Lane is proposed to be extended to terminate near the West Andrew property line. So you can see the topography, you can see the rolling hills, and you can see the trees, especially along the north side of the property there as well. And then I also just wanted to, to give you a better idea of some of the other sensitive features. So this top left photo is a picture of the area that includes a wetland. So there's a stormwater detention basin there. Uh, there's also woodlands there. And then the other three photos are looking down the fingers where the cul-de-sacs are being proposed. So the top right is looking uh, on the leftmost cul-de-sac that's proposed. The bottom left is looking up the middle cul-de-sac. All these are looking north. Uh, and then the bottom right is looking uh, up where the Loop Street is being proposed. So again, you can see those sensitive features, including especially woodlands and slopes. In terms of zoning for the subject property, it, it actually consists of two properties. So the northernmost is 27 acres zoned Interim Development Residential Single Family, or, or IDRS, which is primar primarily intended for agriculture until such a time as it develops. And the southern portion, which is about four acres, is low-density single-family residential with an OPD. And that OPD was part of the uh, St. Andrews rezoning uh, for sensitive features as well. And that low-density single-family residential is primarily for, for single-family uh, uses. So in terms of the proposed zoning, then, we're looking at medium-density single-family residential with a plan development overlay, or RS8 OPD. Uh, that's for primarily single-family detached units, but the OPD does allow flexibility, and that flexibility includes things like mixing uses, such as uh, the different housing types provide or proposed and a commercial use. It also allows modifications to certain standards, and then it also allows modifications to the wetland buffer, which is also being proposed as part of this development. So here you can see the preliminary planned development overlay. I'll kind of use that indistinguishably with OPD, and then also the sensitive areas development plan or SADP. So the proposed development would be on three different lots with a single owner and would include about 101 units, which would include 35 single family, eight duplex, 20 town style multifamily, and 38 multifamily units. And then on top of that, it would also include one uh, assisted living building with 32 beds and then a small scale neighborhood commercial use, approximately 2,300 square feet. Uh, this would all be proposed on extended streets through the area. Uh, including Gathering Place Lane, which would terminate on the east side of the property where the arc of the hill was shown in that photo. Uh, and again, there are, there are sensitive features as well, primarily to the north. Hmm. So in terms of the criteria that we use to evaluate OPDs, uh, there are four general criteria found at 14.3a, and then there are also two standard criteria that uh, apply to all rezonings. Uh, the second criteria, tied to compatibility with an existing neighborhood. That's also covered by the first criteria for OPDs, so we won't really cover that. It'll all be covered in that first uh, criteria. But that first one is tied to density and design and making sure that it's compatible with adjacent development and looking at it from a couple different angles. So first is density. Uh, in terms of an OPD RS8 zone, that allows eight dwelling units per net acre. 
uh, and what is proposed is approximately 3.7 dwelling units per net acre. So they do meet that standard. Uh, again, it's 101 dwelling units, uh, but that does exclude the 32 assisted living units. If you include those, it still meets, uh, it's still less than eight dwelling units per net acre. Uh, another way that we look at compatibility is tied to land uses. So for the proposed uh, development, it does include a mix of single family duplex and multifamily uses addition to assisted group living and neighborhood commercial uses. Uh, one thing I did want to note that with the proposed land uses, uh, this is proposed as a senior development. That being said, there's no obligation to provide it for seniors, except for the multifamily units. Those do have to be provided as elder apartments because they make use uh, of a lower parking standard that, that applies to senior housing. The rest of them could be occupied by seniors, it could be occupied by others, uh, but those multifamily must remain elder housing. Uh, in terms of how that works with surrounding land uses, uh, there's single family to the north and east, as I mentioned. To the south, there's group assembly and multifamily. And then to the west, we're expecting multifamily and duplex uses. So there is a mix of uses around, uh, and they try to transition it through the site. Uh, specifically, the transitions look at having higher intensity uses to the west and south, especially the, the townhomes, multifamily, assisted group living. And as you move towards the east and north, that's where you start to see more single family uses with some duplexes on the corners. So it does provide a really good transition with, with the way that the existing neighborhoods are laid out. Uh, and it, it, it's pretty appropriate for the neighborhood. Uh, in terms of other concepts that we look at with mass and scale, uh, we look at the elevations. So with building heights that are being proposed, uh, most of them are typical for these buildings. Uh, there is a requested waiver for building height for the two multifamily buildings. So that is uh, in the center of the development, the multifamily building and the mixed use building. Um, but I'll talk about that a little bit later when we get into the waivers. Uh, as far as other considerations, uh, they, they do a good job of making sure that the off-street parking doesn't dominate the streetscape. So it's recessed for the single family and duplex units. Uh, it's below ground for most of the multifamily units or it's in located in shared parking behind the units for the townhomes and assisted group living. So that doesn't dominate the streetscape. Uh, I did also want to touch on lighting, which is something that we don't always look at at this time, but just it's come up in some of the conversations that we've had uh, with folks. And the city does use standards that minimize light and glare in surrounding properties, and uh, that those standards are stronger when it comes to being surrounded by residential uses. Uh, and this being a, a residential zone would also uh, abide by the low illumination district. Uh, so generally it's reviewed during site plan, but I just did just want to bring some of those uh, to the fore and I mentioned them in the staff report as well. Uh, some other considerations in terms of compatibility is open space. So open space, private open space is provided on each or near each of the dwelling units in compliance with our open space standards. Uh, in addition to much of the development being open space anyway. Uh, through either stormwater management areas or through sensitive features. Um, so there, there's plenty of open space provided in compliance with our standards. Uh, and then with regards to traffic circulation, this does propose extending Deer Creek Road and Gathering Place Lane. And Gathering Place Lane would then curve through the property and end at the, the property line to the east near St. Andrew's Church. Uh, off of that Gathering Place Lane would also be two cul-de-sacs and a loop street. Um, and this project would also include the improvement of Camp Cardinal Road, which I showed earlier is basically a gravel road right now. 
in terms of access, then the primary access for this development would be from Camp Cardinal Boulevard via Camp Cardinal Road. Uh, and then secondary access would come from the future connection of Deer Creek Road to the west, which would depend on the Cardinal Heights subdivision uh, that was recently rezoned. Uh, I'll talk a bit more about access and overburdening streets as well in the next criteria. Uh, but as part of this, one of the recommended conditions that, that, that staff proposes is that the applicant or the owner, excuse me, must contribute 50% of the cost of upgrading Camp Cardinal Road. That would include a cold, or a roundabout that's proposed for the north side uh, of Camp Cardinal Road where it connects with Deer Creek Road. Um, and that is the same criteria that was, or the same condition that was uh, applied to the Camp Cardinal uh, or they, excuse me, the Cardinal Heights subdivision to the west. And so between those two properties, there would be enough funds to, to improve that road fully. Uh, and that would also serve as access for both of those developments as well. And I did just wanna show the elevations which are included in the packet. Again, the single family elevations are, are on the top of the screen. They're one story, as are the duplex elevations which are shown on the bottom of the screen. And then townhomes uh, are three stories. The assisted living units are two stories, and then those proposed mixed-use and multifamily buildings are proposed to be four stories or three and a half stories, depending on how you look at it, uh, with that top story being gathering space and an outdoor patio space as well. But that's what would push it above the 35 feet. That's the, the typical height limit, that plus the grade. And the second criteria is tied to overburdening existing streets in utilities. So generally the site can be provided with water and sewer. Uh, one complication is that water needs to be looped. So that may occur on the site, it may occur off the site. Uh, that's stuff that we'll determine during platting as, as those calculations are done. Uh, so utilities are fine. In terms of streets, uh, it is a development with a single point of access. So so to avoid overburdening it, we do place thresholds on the amount of daily trips that would be allowed. Um, the, the amount of trips that we would expect at the intersection of Deer Creek Road and Gathering Place Lane, which will definitely be a single point of access. I, I show it as an orange circle on, on the image before you. Uh, that would have 309 daily trips, which is below the threshold for becoming overburdened as a local street. Um, but that is assuming that Deer Creek Road is extended to the west. Now, if Deer Creek Road is not extended to the west, um, that would mean that Camp Cardinal Road at where it connects with Camp Cardinal Boulevard would be the single access to this development. So that is circled in red on this map before you. Um, that road is built to collector standards. And so because of that, it, it judges uh, a higher number of trips before it's considered overburdened. Um, which is, it's a pretty substantial increase to go from local to collector. And so staff doesn't anticipate any issues, even if there isn't secondary access. But of course, secondary access would be preferred in this situation to provide redundancies in terms of, of, of reaching folks. One other unusual thing with this development that I wanted to mention is there's a proposed uh, portion of Gathering Place Lane that includes angled on-street parking. Um, so that is something that typically isn't allowed because uh, vehicles or excuse me, city services aren't equipped typically to maintain those, especially snow. So staff does recommend a condition that the owner maintain all of any on street angled parking spaces uh, adjacent to the properties. But staff does believe that it makes sense 
uh, given the fact that there's proposed small-scale commercial uses located right outside of it. So it would provide on-street parking for those uses, which seems appropriate. Where is the secondary access if and when it gets developed? Sure. So it would be to the west. So where Deer Creek Road is the east-west road uh, on the map. Okay. That would continue west over to Camp Cardinal Boulevard as part of the Cardinal Heights subdivision or Cardinal Heights rezoning that was approved earlier this year, I think a couple months ago, maybe. Right. Yeah. So so that would be the street that would go through. Okay. Um, but it, it can't go through until that gets developed because they're building. It. Exactly. Yeah. They would have to build that. Yeah. And same with it does stub or gathering place lane stubs off on the the uh, St. Andrew's property that does allow for future connectivity, but no development is anticipated there in the near future. So, you, you know, that's not a place where you get secondary access for the foreseeable right. future. It would, it would really be that Deer Creek road. Right. The third criteria is related to uh, effects on surrounding properties compared to conventional developments. So to the north, the building that's being proposed closer to the property line is a single family home that would be 16 feet instead of uh, 20 feet. That being said, excuse me, the closest development is located across a woodland preservation area and stream corridor, so, so it's not particularly close. Uh, doesn't We don't anticipate any more impacts than a conventional development. Uh, to the east, there is a pipeline pipe line easement that creates a more than 30 foot buffer. So that's further than you would typically have for conventional development as well. Uh, but to the west and south, that's where you start to get setbacks that are typical for single family zones. Um, staff doesn't think that there are going to be any impacts beyond a conventional development, uh, given those factors. And then for that land uses building types and modified requirements are in the public interest. So there are several waivers that are requested uh, as part of this. So for example, there's a rear setback waiver from 20 feet to 16 feet for the single family home to the north. Um, there's a requested front setback reduction from 20 feet to 15 feet for three of the town homes uh, along Gathering Place Lane and Deer Creek Road. There's a front setback reduction from 25 feet to 15 feet for single family homes on the cul-de-sacs. Uh, as part of that for single family homes, that would also typically require that the first floor is elevated 30 inches above the sidewalk, uh, but they have requested a waiver from that as well. Um, staff, and they're requesting the waiver because it's a senior housing development, so they want zero access. So staff believes that the criteria to reduce that uh, is met. Uh, and then in terms of other building bulk, uh, standards that are requesting a waiver is that 35, increasing the height for the multifamily buildings from 35 feet to 45 feet. Uh, that would accommodate that additional half story on those buildings for gathering space. Uh, and then it would also uh, adjust for grade that that is uh, on the, the property. So those are the building bulk and placement waivers requested. Uh, they're also proposing a mix of uses that would not typically be in an RS8 zone. So including single family duplex, multifamily and assisted group living, as well as a small scale neighborhood commercial use uh, that's approximately 2,300 square feet in a mixed use building. Um, generally, OPDs encourage a mix of uses. Uh, they encourage commercial uses within mixed use buildings that 
provide or help meet the needs of those living in the area. Uh, there are a couple other standards as well that I mentioned in the staff report, but but generally those standards seem to be met, and so uh, staff believes that that uh, wait, though, that mix of uses is warranted given the site. Uh, and then the final request for a waiver is to reduce the on-site parking for neighborhood the neighborhood commercial use, reducing it from nine spaces to seven spaces. This is something allowed uh, under the OPD zone. Uh, if it helps preserve sensitive areas, and in this case, the only place where those two additional spaces could be added uh, would be to the uh, off-street parking lot to the north, which is right next to uh, sensitive features. So staff believes that that criteria is met, especially considering the fact that there's proposed on-street diagonal parking that would that would help meet the needs of this commercial use that don't get counted towards this minimum parking requirement. So th there is adequate parking. It's not off-street, but Given the the mix of factors, staff believes that that criteria is met. And then moving to the the factors that are considered for all rezonings, compliance with the comprehensive plan. This area is shown as having two to eight dwelling units an acre. Uh, there is no northwest district comprehensive or northwest district plan that's adopted, so so we go by the comprehensive plan. But it has some guidance for us. Uh, the proposed development is within those parameters. And there's also a number of goals in the comprehensive plan related to housing diversity, uh, connected neighborhoods and contiguous neighborhoods, pedestrian-oriented development, preservation of sensitive features. Um, what One that's a little more complicated is tied to street connectivity. But in this case, it is a challenging site. There's not a lot of places to get access and where they can provide substreet subs to, or excuse me, stubs to adjacent properties. Uh, they do, including Deer Creek Road extension and uh, connecting to the St. Andrews property. Uh, however, there are no areas to connect to the east or north just because of sensitive features and the layout of those neighborhoods. So uh, get, given the extent possible, they do provide connectivity about what, as to what would be allowed uh, on that site. And then finally, there's the sensitive areas portion of this. A, and a level two review is required, which would mean that it's reviewed by uh, the Planning and Zoning Commission and City Council um, that is tied to reducing the wetland buffer from 100 feet to 50 feet. That being said, there's also streams, slopes, and wooded areas on the site. And we also looked at archaeological sites. I'm going to breeze through most of these standards for, for since they're, the analysis is included in your packet, but I did want to touch on the wetlands so you understand how that factors into it. So in terms of the, the jurisdictional wetlands, the, the wetland area on this site is pretty small, 0 0.04 acres. Uh, typically, that would require a 100-foot buffer around the wetlands, but it may be reduced to a 50-foot buffer with a level two review and if certain standards are met and certified by a wetland specialist. So in this case, you have the memo from the wetland specialist that looks at those different criteria. Staff's also reviewed the background information, including information on endangered species and on the wetland itself. Uh, and staff does concur with the findings by the wetland specialist. Uh, again, there's also Camp Cardinal or Cardinal Creek uh, on the very north side of the property. Uh, it's located far enough from construction boundaries that it's not really a factor in this. Uh, there are woodlands, approximately 6.85 acres of woodlands on the property. Uh, to avoid a level two review, they have to retain 50% of that uh, and also provide a, a buffer, which if it includes wetlands can't count towards that requirement. So 52% of the woodlands are retained uh, in this development, uh, and only approximately 19% of the woodlands are impacted. So that's 1.2. Uh, the rest of the acreage is included within that buffer area. Uh, 
And then in terms of slopes and sites or archaeological sites, uh, there are numer numerous slopes on the property. A lot of them, the steepest slopes are located at the northern part of the property. Uh, level two reviews are only required uh, if more than 35% of critical slopes are impacted or if the uh, protected slopes or their buffers are impacted. In this case, they've avoided the protected slopes and their buffers, uh, and they only impacted 31% of critical slopes. So this meets the standards for administrative review. Uh, and then finally, with regard to archaeological sites, a phase one study was completed in 2022, uh, and, and no artifacts were identified and no further uh, work was recommended. So just to give you an idea of what those look like, again, it's included in your packet, but I, I highlighted the stream corridor to the north, the wetland buffer to the west. Uh, those are both outlined in blue. I also highlight the construction boundaries in red on the site, and then the, the woodlands are those green uh, and kind of tealish blue areas, uh, the green being that, that, which being that, that which is being retained, and the blue is that which would be impacted. And then the steep slopes, again, you can see the construction lines and the buffers and slopes. Most of the slopes that are impacted are steep slopes, which is between 18% and 25% grade. Um, but again, the critical slopes and protected slopes are within the parameters allowed by administrative review. And then finally, I just wanted to touch on neighborhood open space standards, which are required by 14.5K, uh, uh, either by providing open space on site or paying a fee in lieu of it. Uh, it's addressed at final platting, but in this case with 31.2 acres uh, in an RS8 zone, it would require a dedication of 1.08 acres or a fee of approximately 140,000. Uh, again, that would occur at final platting, um, but just making that aware. And then with regard to correspondence, staff didn't receive any written correspondence on this application. We've had some conversations with property owners. There is also a good neighbor meeting as well. Um, but no written correspondence. Uh, but overall, staff does recommend approval of REZ 22-0012 uh, to rezone 31.2 acres east of Camp Cardinal Road and north of Gathering Place Lane from IDRS and OPDRS 5 to OPDRS 8, uh, subject to two conditions, which I mentioned in my review, but essentially ensuring that the owner contributes 50% of the cost of improving Camp Cardinal Road, uh, including the roundabout, uh, and then also uh, having an agreement that the owner will maintain the angled on-street parking. So in terms of next steps, uh, you would presumably have a recommendation tonight for city council, and then we schedule hearings for council, which we would anticipate setting the hearing on January 10th uh, for consideration by council on January 24th. So that would be the hearing, and then there would be two additional readings beyond that. Uh, but with that, do you have any questions for me? I have a couple for you. Um, from the 2016 um, rezoning application, of course, this was a different applicant, but was the parcel um, boundaries the same? It sure looks like it to me. I, I just can't. I believe it was just the north part of the site. Not, so the, not that south. Not that the, south the, four acres, just the north okay. part. Okay. And it was 170 units in that proposal, including a mix of, us. I think it included some assisted living as well as independent living in one building. Okay, very good. Um, and then secondly, it appears, and I, I'm trying to read the on the topographic map, the elevations, but it looks like it generally slopes from east to west. I, I realize this is a difficult 
uh, development site because a lot of, of uh, elevation changes. Is that generally true? It's from sloping from east to west going down. So there's a ridge line that kind of runs along the bowl of it. So I, I have the north portion of the site shown here. This kind of gives you the best idea. Um, the ridge line follows that street essentially. So it slopes north, east, and west, depending on where you are in the property. Uh, on, the, on the south side, side of the site, it generally slopes to the south. <laughs> Everything but south. Yeah. It does slope south if you get south of the it, you just follow the ridge lines. The ridge lines are the way to fall, to to track it. Well, why is that? That mostly just um, for issues with um, uh, lighting and lighting glare. For I presume the people in Walnut Ridge neighborhood are people concerned about that. Could you talk a little bit about the downcast downcast lighting requirements for the city? So that would be for like any parking areas or street lights with that. Sure. General. Yeah. So shielding is generally required if a bulb is above a certain amount, essentially. Um, there are also requirements towards total light output that would limit it. That's where the low illumination standard comes in. So that's the, the lowest standard that would be allowed. Uh, the idea is to avoid just general glare. And then there's also standards about um, that you can't have light trespass onto surrounding properties. Uh, for residential uses. So, so that's another standard that applies. So these things come together. And then there's all limits on pole height and a couple other things that try to limit the impacts on surrounding properties. Yeah. And if I remember the 2016 conversation, you were here, weren't you? Mm -hmm. it, the, the predominant thing we heard from the neighbors to the east, the neighborhood to the east, was about view shed disruption mm -hmm. and the bulk size of the building. But the larger building is down in that southwesterly portion. Is that correct? It, it would be kind of the west central, I guess I would say. It's right between the two properties. So if you, the map in front of you, you can see the two multifamily buildings in blue mm -hmm. there on the west side. Um, the buildings to the southwest would be, I guess the townhomes are three stories, yeah. but. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Other commissioners? with questions for staff on this application i have a question about go back to that map so it Full sort of follows up on yeah follows up on what you were just talking about so the two blue buildings are the ones where they're asking for the height adjustment correct and then the red ones down below are three stories already correct so in the are we sinking are we lower or higher in those areas than the rest of the the, the townhomes are lower, the the multifamily buildings in the center. So 35 feet is allowed by right within the zone regardless. So the only buildings that would be atypical for that are those in the center, um, those blue ones. They would, they're, they're on the higher part of the site, but it's basic, like I said, it's basically a bowl. So it's approximately the same elevation. It might slope down a little bit towards the east, but um, and so when they when they say that one is a clubhouse, it's a clubhouse for the whole development, right? Correct. Not just for so whatever's going on in that roof is going on. It's not just the people who live in the sixteen residential units. It's the yeah. It would be available and, for anyone who lives within this development. And is that also what would happen with the one, the other one that's not the clubhouse? Presumably, but I would I would defer to the applicant to speak to to the intent for those. 
the the only use that's open to the public is that commercial area um the the clubhouse building does have space on the ground floor including a cafe that's available to residents includes a gym that's available to residents and then the gathering space on the roof um presumably the gathering space could be used by all residents of the of this development right okay thank you other questions i had a question about the um i don't know we're not calling it a cul-de-sac but the cul-de-sac on the east end of uh mm -hmm. gathering place lane um for all practical purposes I'm, I'm thinking about the site i'm thinking about the ownership of the land around there in particular to the south i mean for all practical purposes i don't think that road's going to be extended anywhere um would you agree or disagree with that assessment uh i would say that there are significant challenges to extending it to the <laughs> south there is another stream corridor that if you to get all the way down to camp cardinal boulevard uh, I know that it's been looked at in terms of what the cost would be of extending that versus what you could fit on that site. And I think there are cost limitations that would uh, apply. I would agree. So so then my so then my comment goes to um, that, you know, we we hear over and over and over that we don't like cul-de-sacs anymore. We had a significant development on the west side that involved sensitive land and all that stuff. And it was modified extensively because there was a cul-de-sac proposed on it. Um, so I was a little surprised to see this uh, come before us. Um, and I, I, I'm very familiar, very familiar with the site. I've been out there numerous times in the past. Uh, so I, I understand the, the topography limitations, but uh, I just, the, the, realistically, that's one giant cul-de-sac. Chad, do you have any questions? Yeah, I just got two questions. Um, so uh, do I understand correct that there's a waiver request for the single family uh, from 25 to 15 feet? Is that correct? Uh, from from 20 to 16 feet for the northernmost, it's lot nine, which is that northern central single family home. And then for the cul-de-sac bulbs, uh, there's a larger front setback that's required uh, than typical. So instead of your typical 15 feet, which is what the single family typically is, uh, there's a 25 foot requirement on the bulb of the cul-de-sac. So that's the waiver that's being requested. And that's also what triggers the, um, the, the 30 inches above grade standard that they're requesting another waiver from. Okay. And then the other question, um, the assisted living, uh, is that the kind of purplish building? Yeah, right at the southwest corner of Deer Creek Road and Gathering Place Lane. Uh, assuming that's going to be a staff facility, what's the associated parking, staff parking with that, or where's that? Yeah, so the parking requirement, I believe, is one uh, parking space per staff person that's anticipated and uh, one for every three beds within the, the facility. For the residents? Yeah. So they provide enough parking on site there. Okay. All right, Maria, do you have any questions for staff? I do, I do have one. So um, I think, I'm not sure if I understand the wording on page four, um, Kirk, where it says, illumination cannot exceed 0 0.5 initial horizontal foot candles and two, um, initial maximum foot candles at any property line adjacent 
two or across the street. So only on property lines adjacent to the street, it would be two would be the maximum. But then in the rest of the property lines would be 0 0.5, right? No, so it would apply to any lot line that is by a residential use, which I believe is almost all property lines with this specific property. Okay, so two would be the the maximum. Yeah. And what is the 0 0.5? Two, uh, two initial maximum foot candles. Yeah. And what is the 0 0.5? The, the horizontal foot candles, it's measured at a certain height above grade and in lumen. Oh. So, so when they submit okay. a site plan, when they submit a site plan, they do a lighting analysis that they provide us. And we just make sure essentially that there's, that it's within the thresholds for light trespass on adjacent properties. Okay. Cause I think, I thought I did a few projects and the standard for the maximum uh, foot candles on the property line was one. But is is two the standard for the city? I think it depends on the zone. I would have to look at the the code more specifically. But the the citation that I provided here uh, was the relevant citation for this development. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I don't have any more questions. Thanks. Thank you, Maria. Any other questions from commissioners for staff? Seeing none, we'll open the public hearing. The applicant or the applicant's representative would come forward. Hello, Mike Welch, Welch Design and Development. Um, with me also tonight is uh, Sanjay from Akar. He's doing the architecture for everything other than the um, memory care assisted living building. And then Steve Long um, is here also as a um, owner's rep, developer rep um, for the project. So between the three of us, hopefully we can answer your questions. Um, Kirk, thank you for going through and doing a nice thorough presentation. Um, I think the only things that I would like want to add and just kind of um, throw out there before I open up to any questions you have is again, I think this has um, been a challenging site and we've worked on it for a number of years with different people. Um, with Western Home, it's a it's kind of an exciting use of the, the varied the varied uses that they are proposing um, is not usually that we we see that much variation across the site. Um, I think the the addition of that 2,300 square feet for the like neighborhood commercial, um, they're kind of excited to have a a place for their residents, but also for um, Cardinal Heights or other people in the neighborhood since there's not much else out there. And we see that as like again another another good positive um, use of this site. Um, during our we did have a good neighbor meeting. And um, during that that meeting, I think the things we heard most of um, from the the neighbors to the east and north was just um, what the impact would be on those sensitive areas. And as Kirk said, we are you know meeting the code requirements and feel um, feel real confident in that too, and, and good about that. So um, I think those are the things I wanted to kind of highlight. Um, if anyone has questions, I'm happy to answer those. Um, Mike, during the good neighbor meetings, um, I remember well the 2016 uh, consideration of that application, which we did actually approve and then went to the the council, but it was withdrawn before then. Um, the, one of the overwhelming concerns for the neighbors was view shed interruption. Did you hear much of that at the? I would say it kind of started that that was when people came, that was their question of what are, what are we doing? What are we proposing? Um, I think once people saw that it was primarily single family 
on the north end there. That kind of, I think everyone generally felt better about that, right? They weren't looking at a, a super tall building. Um, I think where the multifamily buildings are located, we are kind of far enough away um, from the neighbors to the north and the east that that those impacts will be pretty minimal, I would say. So, and then for the north, we're um, like at lot number nine, where you're asking for that reduction. It, it, I just can't remember what that looks like. Is that area behind there? Is that a really difficult area to develop? I mean, there'll never be anybody behind them immediately. No, that. to the and yeah, immediately north of that property yeah. line is an outlot from what is that Cardinal Ridge, I think is the development to the north. Um, so that is and that's I believe in a conservation okay. district too. All right. Questions from the commission? I have a question about the townhouses. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't typically think of them as elder housing because you're living on three different floors. And I mean you sort of make a point of saying all the single family housings are a single floor, but then you've got all these townhouses that are three floors. It's yeah, I think, um, I guess I'll let Sanjay kind of address that a little bit too, but what I'll say is I think Western Homes goal is that they kind of understand that people are at different points in their life and different mobilities and, and access and, and desires, right? So they kind of want to hit that that broad market and not just not just people who want a single family house or not people who want a, a condo style living. Um, there is an option in those townhouses to have a an elevator that people can kind of add to those. They're designed to allow that for a future addition. Um, so they they are aware of that too and looking at that. Um, the other piece, and, and Steve will probably talk a little bit more about this, but um, with their memory care, they also recognize that sometimes, you know, your, your spouse or significant other may need the memory care, but you may still be independent, right? Sure. So they kind of are trying yeah. to get that balance, so. And is the is the first floor? If I, I I'm trying to remember the the, the uh, elevations. Is the first floor include the garage? Uh, yes, it does. And I think yeah, because all of all of them are yeah. We did have some different iterations, but now yes, the garage is on that first floor. Yeah, so that's that's a fairly common uh, type of construction in the market. Mm -hmm. And the zoning code wouldn't limit the occupancy of that of those units the only ones that are going to be limited by the zoning code are that multifamily got it for senior right. living thank you yep. any further questions for mike from commission maria do you have any questions uh no um yeah i do have one actually i'm sorry so mike where uh, I was looking at the clubhouses floor plan, and then it says uh, it's a clubhouse, and then it has it has sixteen units, but the floor plan that you presented has eight units. So um, this is for the two two floors above the clubhouse. Do you understand what I'm asking? Yes, I, I think if I'm understanding correctly, there was sixteen units in the clubhouse building. Um, the, there's no units on the first floor. And then units on the second and third floors. Okay, okay. Because there's only, I think I see only one floor plan with with eight units. But I assume it was like, um, you know, the the standard for probably second and third floor. Okay. Correct. Yep. I I typically don't see buildings for clubhouses that have um, apartment buildings on top. But that's my only comment, I guess. 
seeing no comments thank you mike thank you. uh sanjay or steve do you want to speak hello <clears throat> steve long with salida partners and also representing western home because uh they couldn't make it tonight or they didn't want to risk it i should say yeah um just a little bit about Western Home Communities. They've been in uh, operation since 110 years now, or 111 years actually, uh, based in Cedar Falls, Iowa, but they have communities throughout Central Iowa and Northeast Iowa. Um, they're, they're, in their name is Western Home Communities and what they strive really is to, is to have a sense of community and build community. At their main campus in Cedar Falls, um, it's a 200 acre campus with 1100 residents. So it's larger than most towns in Iowa. And uh, it's a real community with, you know, restaurants and uh, fitness facilities. And it's, it's, you know, like Oak Knoll, but a, a similar model, but a, a much a bigger scale. And um, so they overall, they have, I think it's about 1200 units now. Uh, when we submitted this, it was 900. So they've expanded a little bit. We've been working with them Mike and Sanjay and I for uh, over a year now um, to get this right mix of units um, for this market. So they really wanted to have that mix of two and three bedroom, um, townhome, condo, assisted living, single family homes. And even within the single family homes have a variety. So there is different affordability as, as well. Uh, they have a little different, um, and I should say the CEO of Western Home, Chris Hansen and Steve Rowe at Oak Knoll, our friends and they talk a lot. I think Steve was supposed to be up on camp their campus Friday, but cannot make it. Um, Western Home is known for their uh, memory care and assisted living facilities, and in this market, has a big need for those facilities. So that's an important part of the continuum that'll be developed probably towards the end of the project. But um, that's a big piece. Um, so uh, um, hopefully. Uh, Future meetings, the Western Home folks will be here, but um, feel free to go to their website, uh, Western Home. I actually, um, even though I've been in Iowa City over 25 years, I grew up in Cedar Falls, so I've known Western Home my entire life, and a lot of my friends, family members are now living there, so I'm excited to be a part of this team to bring them to this market, and I I now qualify. <laughs> so. um, I have a question for you I, i'm trying to channel billy our one of our absent um commission members and she would say what are you doing for affordable housing yeah i, I think we've talked about that and it's going to be given it's it's market-based so it's going to be based on the size of units there's not any subsidized units being proposed we're happy to to work with um, housing trust fund or, or another entity but and i will go back you mentioned that they're open to anybody, but these will all be deed restricted 55 plus. Um, that's their model. Um, so they, except for the assisted living and memory care, of course, but for these standalone homes are deed restricted forever, 55 plus. Um, so it, it's really, we're open to that idea. At, at this point, uh, we've been looking at a mix of housing styles to offer different price points and trying to come under just a little bit under Oak Hill. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Steve, on the assisted living facility, does that include memory care? I guess I just thought it was assisted living, but it's a, a mix of both. That yes, yeah. that's okay. that's the goal. Yes. All right. I don't know how I missed that. Thank you. Is the is the 55 plus community going to be um 
apply for the federal government's uh, status of that? Do you know, or is it just a deed restriction? I, I do not know. That's outside of my lane. Sorry. Um, I mean, the assisted living and memory care will have to have a certificate of need, of course, to the state, but I don't know about the federal designation. Any other questions for Steve Long? Maria, do you have anything for Steve? No, I don't have any questions. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Steve. Sanjay, do you want to speak about anything? <laughs> hey, I'm Sanjay. I'm from Maka Architecture in Iowa City. Have been here doing residential architecture for almost 35 years. I cannot believe it. Uh, <laughs> but it's been that many years. I started doing uh, single family houses with uh, Bill Novish. And then uh, from, from there on, um, it seems like we just do residential architecture. The one thing which is for a housing like this, as an architect, I go in the town or any town and it makes me mad when all the houses end up looking exactly the same. When the diversity of America is changing, we all look different and I never understand how come every damn building looks exactly the same. <laughs> so the first thing we did for this is made it possible that looks more democratic where people buy into this houses they have option to choose different colors different planning different options like elevators that they can make a little bit more into like every house can be a little more individual and show up the individuality of the people who live within so that's been uh, I think one of the most important thing I heard with this house that I mean this development that even if you have 50 units within the colors form and diversity of the roof you know nothing looks like a cookie cutter housing uh, that's been repeated way too many times in america and it's about i mean in a way it's a good that we are doing this in iowa city it could be a good role model uh, even with the um even with the townhouses you know the way we are stepping it up um, we have a four foot offsets instead of one linear flat building we are breaking the scale and we are definitely doing things a little different than what i've seen in this marketplace so this is kind of exciting i have an architect question for you so um um on the is the townhomes that could have the elevators say somebody purchased the townhome but didn't have the elevator initially is can they add that eventually say like 20 years later they say i need an elevator easily okay uh, we have planned the elevator in the plan exactly where it should go because we need the tolerances for the doors and everything to open the idea would be to put the joist i mean the amazing thing is this elevator is like a suction tube of only three foot six wide so it's a perfect circle of glass of three foot six so even if you don't build or even if you don't buy the elevator it's not a huge space it's not going to be a wasted space in between but the framing will be done that you know as if the elevator will be there in future so it's, it would be a question of cutting a hole in the drywall and the floor and putting the tube in it doesn't require you know any mechanical space up or down which will change the planning a whole lot right very good in 20 years it will be a real suction tube <laughs> like star trek <laughs> we'll go uh commissioners any questions for sanjay uh just two questions uh, i think it came up in the earlier conversation uh, about uh, these will be zero entry is that all of these units will be zero entry or everyone is zero entry okay so the garage from from garage to the house is zero entry and the hope not the hope the planning is at least uh, to have zero entry everywhere even the front door so there will be no steps and if there are floors there will be an elevator option 
Thanks. Maria, any questions for Sanjay? No, I don't have any questions. Thank you, Sanjay. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is public hearing. Is there anybody else who'd like to speak on this application? Is this about the, uh, the apartment building that's going to go up? Uh, which one are you talking about? Oh, the one that You're talking about Orchard Street? Yeah. That's next. Oh, that's next. Oh. Yeah. Your timing is right. So your, your timing is very good. <laughs> All right. So uh, any other public comments on this particular application? Uh, Could you sign in, please, and yep. then give us your name? Sure. My name is Ryan O'Leary. I live at 343 Butternut Lane. So I back up to the eastern most portion of the plan development and uh, the southernmost area. Um, so I would say I intend to give you my most measured, moderate, and uh, probably most milk toast uh, review as a neighbor that I like the, a lot. Pull of, the mic your way, would you? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I like a lot of what I see on the plan. And I also have a fair amount of optimism and faith that there'll be further uh, detail to the plan. Um, but in particular, <clears throat> where my windows back up to three units uh, along that back ridge, it has a pretty significant impact um, half of the year. Um, I took a few pictures, um, didn't feel the need to um, insert the scale of the buildings, the images or anything, but um, I have a fair amount of optimism that there'll be some uh, landscaping screening that'll be mutually beneficial. I just wanted to voice, <clears throat> you know, my thoughts and concerns about that in the event that there wasn't any sort of a landscaping buffer. I think it'd be regrettable for me and whoever lives in those three houses, but I've always anticipated something being done back there. Um, but when you look at the slopes um, that uh, Kirk was showing the slides, <clears throat> a lot of our property is about 35 feet below. So it limits what we can do on our property to create that visual screening. And I think if, um, if some screening is done to the west of the pipeline easement, it would allow the visual screening where right now we're at a density of one house per acre and this would put three houses in about 50% of our visual vantage point out the back. So it's a little bit more concentration than we're used to adjacent. Ryan, are you, did you see you're on Butternut Lane? I'm looking at the map. Mm -hmm. So are you that most westernmost house on the map? There's 343. 340. Oh, okay. All right. I see where you're at. Okay. Yep. Anything else? All right. Thank you. Oh, thanks. This is a public hearing. Is there anyone else who'd like to address the commission on this particular application? Second call. Seeing no one, we'll close the public hearing. Can I have a motion on this application? I'd move approval. So we have a motion by signs. Is there a second? Second. We have a second by Elliot. Discussion? Um, I'll start off. Um, I really like the mixed housing. Um, 
I really like the senior living facility and the memory care. It's exactly what we need in Iowa City. Um, I don't think it's news to anybody that was on the commission at the time. I was bitterly disappointed when the previous application was was withdrawn and now that facility is in Corville, but it is what it is. And so I support this application. I think it's obvious a lot of thoughts been put into this and I think like the diversity, I like the diversity of the housing. I too don't think every house should look the same. Um, I'm concerned about, you know, we've seen quite a few senior housing developments and I'm of that age myself where I'm thinking about them, but it's just going to be really expensive for people to live there. I just, it's the way it is. I know it, it's what it costs to build it and, you know, they have to make money on it, but it's it's really out of reach for many many people particularly elderly people but but i'm in support of the project i am too i like it and i appreciate um your comments about the architecture i hadn't thought about that but i uh appreciate that thank you Notwithstanding my comments about the the large cul-de-sac nature of the development, um, I'm in support of it too. I think it's a, a fantastic mix, um, and I hope it is developed the way it's been laid out to us. Yep. Um, just follow up on what Mark said. I generally never support um, cul-de-sacs or bulbs, uh, like never. Yep. I mean, never. <laughs> but this is just a tough site, yeah. Yeah. and there's not really any other option. And um, Iowa City's running out of developable land, developable land, and I like this application. Uh, I'll be the last to speak, but uh, again, I'm on board. Uh, I agree, you know, considering the challenge of the topography. Um, it's a nice layout. Um, it looks uh, walkable for the neighborhood, and it's nice to see the commercial area. Whether that ends up being a coffee shop or whatever uh, draw to the neighborhood, it'll be a nice mix, so. Maria, do you have any comments before we vote? Um, no, just that I support this uh, development and um, I admire Sanjay as an architect. He already probably knows that. So I appreciate his comments. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we have a motion by sign to second by Elliot. All those in favor of this application signify of by saying aye. 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 Maria. Aye. Aye. The, those opposed signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, the motion passes unanimously. Um, item number five, case number REZ22-0015. My understanding is the applicant has requested deferral on this. Yes, the applicant has requested a deferral to January 4th, the next commission meeting. We're still working through some conditions with them. I would uh, make a motion that we uh, defer this item to January 4th. Is there a second for the deferral? I second. Second by, got a motion by signs, a second by Elliot. Discussion for deferral of this particular application to January 4th. Hearing no discussion, all those in favor of uh, deferral, please signify by saying aye. 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 Maria? Aye. aye. Thank you. Those opposed signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, motion passes unanimously for deferral. It looked like you were going to say something. I think that's he came for this this item, if I recall. Well, so it, yeah, so we just I was going to point out he can go home now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the item was deferred that you're here for. So it's deferred to January 4th. That'll be the, <laughs> the next blizzard warning. Yeah, I guess the most important. Another very important question since you were in later, is it snowing yet? Ooh. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll go to january january 4th, 4th. Yep. yes sir <laughs> thank you merry christmas you. next item up development item is item number six this is case number vac 22-0002 location is northwest corner of south riverside drive and the iowa interstate railroad this is an application for a vacation of approximately 266 square feet of public right-of-way to increase the developable area of the proposed redevelopment at the southwest corner of Myrtle Avenue and South Riverside Drive. Anne? Thank you. Anne Russett with Neighborhood and Development Services. I'm just trying to get this set up here um, so Maria can see the screen. There, that, does that look good to you, Maria? Yes, thank you. Very good. So as the chair mentioned, this is a vacation of 266 square feet of public right-of-way along South Riverside Drive. As you can see in the image here, um, the area is just north of the Iowa Interstate Railroad. The, uh, the area that's being requested to be vacated is shown in the white dashed line. Here's the zoning map. Um, from this map, it looks like it's part of private the private property, but it is technically public right of way. And just a little bit of background on this vacation. Um, the city actually recently acquired this 266 square feet, and the purpose of that acquisition was to help with um, installing a pedestrian tunnel under the Iowa Interstate Railroad. Um, that project is not going to be moving forward because there were concerns from the railroad regarding the tunnel under their right-of-way. Um, the city is still committed to providing a pedestrian connection on the west side of South Riverside Drive. So right now the city is working with the Iowa DOT to narrow the street along South Riverside Drive and install a sidewalk between the curb and the bridge abutment. Um, this will also include some type of protective barrier for pedestrians in that area. So there's there will eventually be a pedestrian connection, but it will not be a tunnel. And um, the city no longer needs this 266 square feet of right of way. So the property owner is asking um, asking that it be returned to private property. And the this is just kind of an uh, aerial of the um, the site that will be using that 266 square feet. The, the commission saw this rezoning uh, several months ago for a, a proposed development on the corner of Myrtle and Riverside Drive. So it adds a little bit of square feet to their buildable area. There are several criteria that need to be reviewed when looking at a vacation of public right-of-way. They're on the screen here. Staff um, has reviewed all of these criteria and find that they have all been met. I'll, I'll go over them um, individually pretty briefly. Um, the first criteria is that um, there's um, whether or not there's an impact on pedestrian and vehicular access and circulation. This is a very small area. It's only 266 square feet and pedestrian and vehicle access will not be impacted through the vacation. 
Um, the second is that will there be any impacts on emergency and utility vehicle access and circulation? Um, this right-of-way is not needed to provide any utility services or emergency services to, to the site. Um, the next criteria is impact on access of adjacent private properties, and there will be no impact. This um, vacation essentially returns the property to its previous condition, um, which is private ownership and not public right-of-way. Next, um, the desirability of right-of-way for access or circulation needs. And since the pedestrian tunnel is no longer uh, a viable option for that pedestrian connection, there's no need for the city to maintain that right-of-way. Next is uh, the location of utilities and other easements or restrictions on the property. There are no city utilities within this 266 square feet. Um, private utilities have been contacted, and I haven't heard back from any um, with concerns about the vacation, and staff has not found any other relevant factors um, pertaining to this specific vacation request. So staff is recommending approval of VAC 22-0002, a vacation of public right-of-way located at the northwest corner of South Riverside Drive and the Iowa Interstate Railroad right-of-way. In terms of next steps, the City Council will need to set a public hearing. We anticipate the public hearing to be on January 24th, and the Council will consider both the vacation and conveyance of the right-of-way. And with that, I'll turn it back to the Chair. Thank you, Ann. Any questions for staff on this particular application? I assume we paid for it, and they'll have to pay for it. That's correct. My question is, uh, so I was aware of the tunnel uh, that was previously going to go through there. Um, I, and is that completely off the table from the railroad or would there ever be a chance that that's going to be revisited? It, it doesn't appear to be. Um, the city had been working with the railroad for quite a while, um, trying to address concerns. Um, but at this point, it is, it's not going to work. So, um, so we're uh, working with the DOT for an alternate uh, design is um, with item five it's going to uh, increase the the need and you see right now and people are sneaking through on the street or on that little gravel portion pretty dangerous locations and it's been years years i mean forever yeah. that the city has said they're going to do something there which I, you know, I'm glad you recognize the need, and I realize it's the railroad that's the hangup. But I agree, it's dangerous, and and I've seen people, you know, and then and then in the winter it snows and they climb over the snowbanks. I mean, it's not good. Is there a time frame for the alternative? You know, I don't know, um, but I can ask Public Works, and when we discuss the rezoning that was deferred. Um, I can mention the timeline. And what's the status of um, that development? They are currently going through the final platting process, uh, design review and site plan review. And do they ever have to come back around to anybody they do, except staff? The final plat will go to city council. I'm still angry at them, as you can tell. Oh, I'm waiting for the discussion section of this item. <laughs> Maria, any questions? About the right-of-way vacation, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. yes, yes. Maria, do you have any questions for staff regarding this vacation? No, I don't have any questions. 
All right, thank, thank, thank you, you very much. We'll open the public hearing. Is there anybody here from the public who'd like to address the commission on this particular application? All right, hello. Hi. Please sign in and oh, yeah. share with us your name. My name is Kirsten Fry. I'm with, uh, I'm an attorney and I'm with Shuttleworth and Ingersoll and I represent the applicant. Um, and I just wanted to answer questions if you have them. Um, and also to comment that I have been working with Sarah Hectone recently on the purchase agreement for the 266 square feet of <laughs> right of way um, that was originally acquired in connection with a tunnel that's not going to get built. Um, and so we're just seeking to get it back. Um, and yes, we're paying for it. Um, we're just going to give you back exactly what you gave us. And and that's the plan. Sarah did contact me yesterday with some requested changes to the purchase agreement, which my client has agreed to make. So I'll be circulating that back to, to in a form that she has indicated um, is means with her approval. So. Very good. Are there any questions from members of the commission for Kirsten? Maria, any questions? No, no questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is a public hearing. Is there anyone else for the public who'd like to make a comment on this particular application? Second call. Seeing no one coming forward, we'll close the public hearing. Is there a motion for this uh, application item? You're into the table. <laughs> uh, I motion to approve uh, VAC 22 22-0002. Very good. We have a motion for approval by Wade. Is there a second? I second. Maria. All right. <laughs> so we got a motion by Wade. We got a second by Padron. Discussion. Okay. Ted, you made the motion. So typically you're supposed to, the motion maker, I rudely jumped Mark then on the no, last that's, one. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Do you have any comments or any discussion? No. Uh, the only comment I have is, uh, you know, the same concern I expressed. If there was an opportunity that we thought it was going to be revisited by the railroad, I'd be uh, reserved in making the sale, but it sounds like that's out of scope. So that's the reason I'm moving ahead. And any further discussion on this um, uh, particular motion limited to the vacation item before us? <laughs> I'm in support of the vacation item before us. But seeing it is probably the last opportunity I will have to uh, comment in to uh, in general on the uh, on the development. I will I will say as we've discussed at a previous meeting, um, I'm extremely disappointed uh, to learn that the project has been converted to a student. Uh, the proposed project for this property has been converted to a student uh, housing project, um, which is not at all what was presented to us. Um, and it has gotten some of us uh, commissioners concerned about ways we can avoid that in the future. Um, and uh, I just wanted to publicly share that. Any further discussion? I feel the same way, Mark. Yeah. I, it's just not in good faith. Yeah. I personally feel the same way, but then the rational side says, we know that with the rezoning, anything that's presented to us is just a concept. So that's why when we're approving rezoning, we have to think about the, all the possibilities that could be constructed within that particular rezoning. And 
I know it's easy to get focused because I absolutely do it on the concept presented to us. But uh, anyway, uh, Maria, any discussion? No, I, I support this um, vacation and I have the same, I feel the same way all the other, um, the senior housing becoming a student housing. Very good. Okay, we have a motion by Wade, a second by Padron. All those in favor of this all those in favor of this vacation application, please signify by saying aye. 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 Maria? Aye. Thank you. Um, those opposed signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, the motion passes unanimously. Item number seven, planning and zoning information. Anne? No updates. No updates. Any updates from any member of the commission? Maria, you want to update us on the weather right now in Argentina? <laughs> no, I was just going to say we won the World Cup for those of you who didn't know. And we're still celebrating. And I'm at the pool. <laughs> so well, I've missed the Argentina part because I didn't come in early enough to that conversation. You're still celebrating the World Cup. I get it. Yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. on your win. And we're extremely jealous. <laughs> and we'll be more jealous in the next two days as the wind chill drops. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is there a motion for adjournment? So moved. Second. Motion by Craig, second by signs. Discussion? Hearing no discussion. All those in favor of adjourn adjournment, please signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed, signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, motion passes unanimously, and we are adjourned.